Okay. Is that better? Okay. For three weeks, we were worrying about the snow. A couple, two Sundays ago, literally, we had to go totally virtual because of the snow that came. Last week, we were, we were worried about the snow, actually, that, and, and you know, we were still able to have Sunday service together in person. But today, we are also worried about today. With a little bit of uh, the, the, uh, what they call freezing rain that came and became icy, and I literally went out and, and warmed my, warm my, my car twice, the last night as it this morning, so that all the ice will be off. And I was worried in the morning whether the road will not be too slippery or not. But we are here. It's good. Good to see you all. I don't know about you. I love coming together as people of God to worship. It is really a essential to who we are as a people of God. I'm so good, good to have all of you joining in home as well. I'm not anyway downplaying or not. It's, it's just good for God's people to come together and worship. By the way, it is my 30, it, it is my 36th Valentine's Day with my wife. Although my wife is not here with me, she's in Denver. With, she's with Haven, my young, my newest treasurer. Haven promised to you, Brown is my granddaughter. I'm going to go see her tomorrow. I'm so happy. You don't understand. I want this day to be over right away. I'm going to go and see my granddaughter. You know, she was born about, not quite a month ago, about three weeks ago. I haven't, I haven't seen her yet in person. I need to do this. Anyway, I was praying through this week and asking God for a word for today, and I was really reminded once again about the reckless, amazing love of God. How God so loved me and you. Today I want to continue on with the message, uh, the, the word of God, the parable found in Luke chapter 15. We began last week with a portion of it called parable of the lost coin. We saw how the woman looked and uh, sweeping through the house looking for the one lost coin. Afterward, there was a lot of rejoicing, a lot of uh, joy in heaven. It talks about the joy of being found. Today, we want to continue on. We want to look into the, probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible, the, the parable of the prodigal son. But actually, I, I, this parable, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it up probably into three sections. We'll do a mini-series of messages on this parable, which we know so well. I think, we think we know everything about this parable because we heard it many times. I preached it many times in our church. But when I went back and looked at it, when I prayed about it, and I meditated on it, there's so many things felt, felt fresh and new and convicting me and stirring my heart again. I believe this is a word for this, this season we are in, for us today as well. Let us pray. Father God, we come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, we honor you for your great, great love with which you loved us. We thank you, God, for salvation and hope that is in Christ Jesus. We are grateful this day, Father, as we gather as people of God, as we come to worship your God. We thank you that you are here with us. We ask for your nearness and presence. But I pray more than a good preaching, a good message I'm asking, you will come and meet and touch each and every one of us. 
We want our hearts to be come alive in you. We want to see your face, hear your voice, oh God. So come, draw near. Use me, God. And let your truth, let your word come forth. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, amen, amen. You know, I know you know the story well. Let me just tell you quickly the summary of the story, and we're going to go into the text. We're going to read it together. I want to look at little, little, some of the things in there. The story is about a father who had two sons. And the story and then begins with one of the sons, younger son, not the older, but younger son, who asked, Father, I want, I, I want my inheritance now. And father gives him the inheritance, and he goes away. You know the story. He goes away, far, far away, away from his dad. And he began to live his life just as he wanted. No boundaries. He lived his life as he wanted. Wasted his time and energy to the point where he totally broke. There was a famine in the land, and he is down, in the, down out of luck and, and now ended up feeding sheep. And, and, and even that, you know, he's hung, still hungry, and he wanted to eat what pigs were eating. Even that, he couldn't do that. And, and he come to his senses, he, you know, and realizes what, what, what happened, what, what he has done wrong, and he repents, coming back, coming back home. The story is really where the father welcomes him, and that's the part of the story you want to look at today. You heard it many times. I know if you go to any retreats or anything, when they do skits, they always are skit about this thing. You always see some kid, you know, somebody doing, you know, cans, you know, with, with beer on it, whatever, and they're doing this thing, and all the same. You have seen many times. I've seen it many times as well. Such a well-known story. But I want us to look at it a little bit. And then let me begin with... Uh, Let me begin with uh, verse one, and one, 1 to 3. Um, let, let me begin with a little context here. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble and saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Why don't you just help me, Okay. And he said, a man had two sons. Okay, now, uh, so we skipped about 10 verses here, a few verses here. I read this verse, uh, verse, verse 1 to 3, to give a little context of why, why Jesus told this parable, this story. We looked at this last week as well. Jesus told this story, this parable, because the people are coming to hear Jesus. Not only good moral people, not only religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees, and the scribes are also the sinners and tax collectors are coming. And these religious leaders are grumbling. Why are you letting these people, these unclean, sinful people come? They're grumbling again about them coming. Jesus seemed to be letting them come. Jesus was known to spend time, spending time with quote-unquote sinners. And people love to come and be with Jesus. Not only good people, especially People who are seen bad and outcast, as Veronica was talking about. Love to come to Jesus. And they were criticizing Jesus. In response to that, Jesus tell the story. And the climax of the story, the parable is this. And he said, a man had two sons. 
The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And now many days later, not many days later, younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. There he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him out into his field to feed swine, pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him in a horrible place. Verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. I love the word, compassion. And ran and embraced him and started kissing him. Literally the word is not just kiss one. Started kissing him many, many times. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But Father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring in his, on his finger, in his hand. And sandals on, in, on his feet. And bring the fattened calf. Steak, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. I told, I told you already, Jesus began to tell this parable because there was a group of people, Pharisees and scribes, who are saying the tax collectors and sinners shouldn't, shouldn't be here. They don't deserve to hear. Now, Jesus says, I want you to think about it. As you hear this story, you need to see who the audience was. Who was Jesus speaking to? This is important. This determines everything. This really gave me a lot more thoughts to think about and a lot more uh, understanding as I thought about it. Sometimes we forget who this is writing to, this, saying this thing to. He's really speaking because of the context of these the, uh, religious leaders who think that they're better than everybody else, and they thought, they thought that these sinners shouldn't come be here. To them, he say, to them he's saying this story. Now, remember, I, told, I mentioned it last week. There were this one, Jesus, Bible calls it one parable, has three parts. Lost sheep, lost coin, Lost son. 
And if you look at it, the, the, the way you see the, the story set up is so beautiful. A man had 100 sheep. One was lost. Second story, 10 coins, special coins. One is lost. The, last, the third story is two sons. One is lost. Well, maybe we, we, we think, we would think there's a, the father, two sons, and there must be one son who is lost, must be the younger son. One lost son here. 100 to 10 to 2, one each. And, 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 and the story is very, very interesting. Now, in, in, see, first two stories talked about a sheep being lost, some animal, and the coin being lost. And coin does not get lost by itself. We talked about in both stories, he said, there is a great joy in heaven when one sinner repents. But in those two stories, it does not say anything about repentance because sheep does not repent, nor does coin repent. But here you see a story of Jesus says about a young man, younger son, who repents. Powerful story. Father had two sons. Father had two sons, and the younger son we are looking at today. We look at the rest of the story next, next time when, when, when I get to teach again. Now let me, let me go back to the passage again, and then slowly. And he said, Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share, share of the estate that falls to me. If you are there in that day listening to what Jesus, the story Jesus is telling, when Jesus said, the son said, I want my estate, whatever belongs to me now. And they would have said, they would have gasped. It's a horrible son. In those days, you don't get your inheritance until your father dies. He's literally saying, Father, I cannot wait for you to die. I want my inheritance now. I'd rather you be dead. And I want my, my money now. And, and, and so I mean, this is what he, this, this is audacious, horrible thing he's requesting. He has no regard for his father. I, I, don't, I don't like being here in, in this place. I want, I want to do my own thing. This is the story here. The more amazing thing is the father, what it says, the father does. So he, the father divided his wealth between them. I just, I actually, this is my favorite translation, NASB, but here I think someone else does it a little better. Literally, the word is divided his property between them. Is it NIV? King James says, divided unto him his living. Not just well. When you, when you see in those days, in the in those days with his father, he, for his his wealth was really his property. When he said, "I want my my share of my inheritance," what happened was, if you have, you have, you have let's say you have two sons, if you die, your older son will get twice as much as the second the second son. So that third son, second son will get one third of his property. And I said, I want one third of your one, one third of the property which is supposed to come to me. And you know, for father to divide it, you know what? He has to sell the land, portion of the land so that he can actually give the money to the son. This is amazing. The father will do that. You know, if any father will say, You stupid boy, whack him in the head. If you want to go, go by yourself. I'm not giving you a dime. But this father, somehow amazingly, he does 
give him a share of his property. Taking the, take, taking, he's, this son dishonored him. This, this son rejected him. This son requests something beyond what he should. But father still gives him. Even sells his part of his land. Not only money, but part of his land and gave his portion. And in those days, land, land is more than just money. Land is more than just a land. It is actually your life. Your life. If you're living in those times, in those times, your land is you. I'm part of the land. Giving away, selling part of your land is more than just giving away money. It's giving away yourself. He literally tearing part of his life and giving it his son. This is the story, what's just going on. The son, as soon as he gets this thing, he says, he takes everything and goes away far distant country. He wants to get away as far as possible from his dad. You see, the, the biggest thing here the son has is, more than the things he will do later, the thing is that I want your money, but I don't want you in my life, Father. I want your things, Father, but I don't want you. That's what he's saying. I want your blessings. I want your wealth, but I don't want you, Dad. I want, I want to live my own life. I want, this, is, this is it. Sin, I think, is best described in this way. More than all the things you do, it is, I, I want to live life that I, I want to live my own without God. That's what sin is. Sin is life lived away from, apart from God. So you know, look, look at this verse. And I, when, when I look at this verse, it says, There he squandered his estate with loose living. NIV says wild living. ESP says reckless living. And the Amplified says reckless and immoral living. I like what CSP, Christian Standard Bible says. Foolish living. You know why? Because the Bible says, Bible says, fool says in his heart there is no God. Foolish living is I'm living a life without God in my life. I don't want God in my life. I want to live my own. I want to do my own thing. The worst thing that I've seen for me, one of the worst songs that I, I hate most, I don't like the title is, I did it my way. It's an old song. Some of you never heard of it. You know, Frank Sinatra sang this song, I did it my way. Sounded like as if something special. It is not. That's what humanity has been doing. I did it my way and, and then ended up ruining everything, ended up destroying everything else. And, we think it's, and people think if I get to do what I want, want to do, that I will be most happy. People think I'll be happy if I do whatever I want, whenever I want. If I do that, I'll be happy. They find and, and, and find out that is really chasing after something that doesn't really satisfy you. Oh, I don't know what, what it is. He went far away, distant country. And he wanted to get away from home. And, I, and, I, and this is my pet thing here, uh, personal thing. I, you know, when you're young kids, you grow up, they want to go to college. I don't know why it is that every, a lot of them want to go away to college. I want to go away. I don't want to live at home. I want to go away. I want to live my, on my own. First time in my life, I can do whatever I want to do. And, and I don't want to commute. And I remember I told my daughters, you are commuting from home. 
No, I want to live at home. No, you, you stay at home. But you know, I, there's something about, I think it's human nature. I want to do my own thing. I don't want my mom telling me, dad telling me what to do. I want to live my own life. I bet, I bet you, didn't you do, didn't we have all of those thoughts? All of us, right? This is how I went away from Hawaii to Pittsburgh for college. 6,000 miles away from Hawaii, the beach, to Pittsburgh, the stinking city. It was a stinking city. In those days, steel mill everywhere. Every night you go out, you breathe, you smell the soap, and you smell like sewer. I know I knew nobody that went away to school 6,000 miles away. I wanted to do my own thing. This, this what it, what, what, and, and then the scripture says how he ended up wasting everything in, in a wild living. He lost everything. He's now totally bankrupt. And he nobody to help him. He cannot, there's a famine in the land. Things are worse. And things are down on the lock. He have nowhere to go. That's where he was. Nowhere to go. And, 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 and the worst place in, in his life. Nowhere to go. Then the powerful verse says, he came to his senses. When he, and, and, and so he in the place, while he was having, doing his own thing, not now, when everything is on the bottom and when he's on, down on the log, when in the corn, on the, on the gutters, he says, he came to his senses. Came to his senses. Or the literally says, came to himself. Came to realize. So what am I doing in my father's house? Even the servants eat well. Abundance of food there. What am I doing here? Away from my father's house. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm dying. What am I doing here? He came to his senses. And, and, said, I will, and then he said, I will get up. I'll, I'll get up and I'll go to my father. He says, I'll get up. I'll go to my father. That's what Repentance is, I'll go back to my father. He ran away from his father, ran away from his home. I want to do my own thing. Now he says, oh, now I will get up, I'll go to my father. Repentance. People think repentance is, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm crying and weeping. I'm sorry, I, I did wrong. That's not, that might be part of it. Real meaning of repentance is I'm going wrong way. I turn around, go the right way. That's repentance. Turning around and going to the right direction. That is repentance. He said, I will get, I'll get up and I'll go to my father. Repentance. You see, I want you to think about the Pharisees and the scribes, the leaders were listening. Again, thinking about those sinners who are sitting with them. That's right. You need to Repent. Realize who, what you have done and then can come back to God. I bet you they'll, this is right. And she said, this is right. This is correct theology. And he says, he said, I will, tell, I will say to my dad, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. And, he said, and, and, and then he would say, make me like a hired servant, hired man. I have sinned. And as I, he said, I have done wrong, Dad. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And make me one of the hired men. There's something here that you need to understand what's going on here. 
You have to understand here, this is something, this is important. This is probably very important that often we do not see. When he says, I'm not worthy of being called a son. When he's, and then it's when he says, make me like one of the hired men. Many scholars believe what he's thinking is that in those days, if you do something wrong, if you disgrace your family, apology is not good enough. You need to make a restitution. He's saying, I'm, I, you know, I've done wrong. I, I'm not worried to be a son. Make me like a hired man. I will pay you back. I will pay you back. I will pay little at a time. I'll pay you back. And to all that I've done, I'll pay you back. This is what he's saying. And he's, I'm, I'm, I want to pay you back that. I did, I did wrong. This is what he's saying. Now you need to look at what the story goes. So now he gets up. He goes to his father's house. I bet you as he go on, when he gets closer to his, his home, his hometown, I bet you he's getting slower and slower in his pace. He's not sure whether the father will accept him. Father will receive him or not. Or father, father, his father will reject him, whatever it might be. As he's coming, the word says, while he was still far away, he's not anywhere near, he's far away, father recognizes him, he sees him, recognizes him. And it says, he felt compassion for him. His heart moved for his son. I love the word compassion. We saw that word compassion when he saw, when he looked, when he studied, when he, when he read the, the story, parable of the uh, Good Samaritan. He had felt compassion for the one on the road, right? He, a father, his heart was stirred and felt compassion. That made, and, he, and, and he didn't just, he, and he, his heart moved, and he, now, father runs. Now, you have to understand, father is respected man, respected man with long robes and things. For him to run, he needed to pick up his robe, stop running. You cannot run with the thing. He, literally, this man, his father, in those days, would not do this. He would lift up his robe and start running to his son. Disgraceful. Those days, women may run, children may run, not men, not fathers would, would not run. He's respectable. He picks up his robe because running to his son and comes and threw his arm around him and begins to kiss him and then kiss him my son, my son, you are bad. Just hearing that, doesn't it? my heart warms up, doesn't it? And, 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 and embraces him. Before, let, me, let me take one moment to go back a little bit. When he came to census, I want to talk a little bit about when he came to census. And I, I remember uh, most of you in our church heard me give my own testimony many, many times about when God spoke to me while I was eating pizza and everything. One of the one of one of part of my testimony was that in my freshman year in college, six thousand miles away from home, there was a season where I, I was wondering at night. I was having insomnia. I was wondering at night. I was eighteen. I was eighteen, young man, don't know nothing, and something in me said life must be more than more than getting a good job, more than graduating from the school and getting a good job. Something in me says that must be more than this. There was some kind of spiritual hunger. I don't know, I, and I did not know where they came from at all. As I look back, this is whole, not, nothing but Holy Spirit working in me, putting understanding in me, giving a hunger. Something must be more in life. 
than just living. You know, and so what I didn't realize in those days was what was spiritual God already working in me. You see, when that young man, son, comes to his senses, wasn't more than just a remorse, I believe the Spirit of God is working in his heart, showing him who he was, where he was, coming to understand. Because not everyone who is in those places will come back to God. Not, not everyone who is out there in the dumps, dumps will turn to God. Not everyone. Some do. Some do. Spirit of God is moving in his heart. He felt, understood, and there's a, he came to his sense. Spirit of God is convicting him. He listened to the voice of God. So now when he comes, Father sees him. From Father's sense, he runs and throws his arms around him and kiss, starts kissing him. Father welcomed him, accepted him, right? This whole point is, not only did he accept him, okay, fine, you can come in, not that. He literally actively embraced the son, come, you're, not only you're welcome, I love you, I've been waiting for you. There is different kind of welcome. Okay? You can come in if you want. Come, please, come. There's difference in welcome. Here, the story is, what you're just saying is, Father has been waiting for the Son. He welcomes him. He wanted him to come. Now, he was not just grudging, you know. He wanted him to come in, come. And the Father runs and embraces and kisses his Son. Now, I want you to understand, the sinners were, sinners and, and tax collectors were in the, in the place. When they heard it, yes, they know God, love God, accepted him, them. The Jesus accepted them. Well, why is it that when Jesus was on earth, these people who were disrespected, immoral, and sinners would love to come to Jesus? But why is it that when you, when you look at our churches these days, people who are uncomfortable coming to church? Because, you know, they, you know, why is it that? The church ought to be a place where people who have issues, who have problems, who have who have brokenness, love to come and find help, find God here. But here you see Father welcomes the Son. Now I want you to hear the son, what the Son says. The Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your Son. You see, issue was that I'm no longer worthy to be your son. You know, you know what you know what the son was planning to say, right? He was going to say, "Make me one of your, make me like one of your hired men." Father cuts him up right there. What are you saying? You are not worthy to be my son. Father interrupts him. He doesn't let him finish the thing. You see, often when people, when when we, all of us, us and everyone who comes to God and in our brokenness, we say, God, I have sinned, I've run wrong. I'll do better next time. I'll do it right. I'll live for you. I'll do what is right. And I will earn your love again. God says, no, not in, not God, God of the Bible says, no. You're going to come, not, you're going to come by grace, grace alone. I'm not asking you to do better. I'm not, I'm not requiring you to do better so that I can accept you. Father interrupts him. He would not let him speak of those things. And the father jumps right in and says, 
father, the but the father says, quickly bring out the best robe in the house. Who has the best robe in the house? The father does. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Why? The ring, signet ring, symbolizes you are son. Bring sandals on his feet, meaning slaves have no shoes. No, and so the household sons and daughters would have shoes. Put sandals on him saying, no, you are not a slave. You are not a servant. You are my son. And bring the fat calf and kill it. If you look at the, the whole story, fat and calf is a big issue here. The older son says, you never, you never killed a fattened calf for me. Why? What, the deal is, what is the deal about this fattened calf? You know, you have to understand, in those days, people didn't eat meat in the meal, on their meals often. Eating meat was special. Eating meat was delicacy. And, and, and not just go about having a calf, fattened calf, is the best of best meat. That not only that, when you have a fat and kill a fat and calf, you are not only eating your household, you are bringing all your village and neighbors to come. That's what the fat and calf is about. He said, that, he said, you know, he said kill, a, kill a fat and calf. You're going to have a party. You're going to have a big party. Celebrate. Look what Father says. For this son of mine, my son, was dead. Now, but now has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. We must. They begin to celebrate. We must celebrate. They begin to celebrate. You see, the issue here was, the fa- and the father says, this is about sonship. Father embraces him. You are not a slave. You are not a servant. You are my son. I embrace you. You are welcome in this place. We're going to celebrate. You see, remember the three stories? The sheep, lost sheep found, they celebrate. The lost coin found, they celebrate. A lost son found, they celebrate. This great celebration going on in heaven when a lost person, a sinner who was far from God, throws, come back to Father. There is great party, a celebration going on in heaven in the Father's house. Truth is simple as this. We, we heard this, I know, but I, I, let me say it again. The truth is this. God's love and forgiveness and can, can pardon and restore anyone from any kind of sin or wrongdoing. It doesn't matter where you are, where you have been, what you have done. It doesn't matter whether you did it deliberately, whether you deliberately oppressed or even murdered people. How much you've abused yourself. I remember a number of years ago when I was in Hawaii. I planted a church and we had an we had a Indian pastor from India came by through a contact of somebody I knew who was a missionary in India, brought a friend, a pastor. His name was Yesu Padam. It means feet of Jesus. He was telling us his testimony how he was like a, a communist mindset in India. And he killed people. He came to know Christ. Got saved. And I am, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I want to be like feet of Jesus. And he talked about how he was a communist, killed people. How God forgave him and God made him, a, God called him to be a minister. 
The word of God is true. This, past, this story tells you this clearly that there's not a single sin, nothing that would ever hinder God's love, God's love for you. Younger brother knew that in his father's house, there's abundant food to spare. But he also discovered in father's house there is abundant grace to spare. If you come home, God will accept you. There's no evil that the father's love cannot pardon and cover. There's no sin that is match for his grace. If you come home, God will accept you and love you. It is by his sheer grace. This is what this first part of the parable is saying. The younger son who had walked away. I'm going to live my life. I don't want you, God. And broken life, totally in darkness, turns back to God. Father, turn back, come to God. He accepts and forgives. Not only accepts, he runs and he embraces you. He kisses you and, and, and brings, brings out the best of things and calls you son. That is the message of the gospel, isn't it? This is a powerful, wonderful message in itself of God's love. This could have been a wonderful ending to this story, this whole parable. One, one, out of, one sheep lost out of the hundred found. One coin out of ten lost and found. One son out of two found. It seems like a natural ending. It doesn't end here. You need to wait next message to hear that. Okay? You need to hear next message to hear that. And actually, the, the, this is something that we need to think about. Yes, this is right. And, and, and as Jesus is telling this story, this parable, to all the people here, there, in the audience there was sinners and there was tax collectors who were out, seen as outcasts among the people in midst as well as people and also religious leaders, he's speaking to all that. I bet you all those who were considered sinners, they were rejoicing in their heart how God, Jesus accepted them. Jesus allowed them to come. Jesus would eat with them and Jesus would bring them, bring them into God's hand, God's house. They were celebrating. That was not the full story, but this is a good place to end. I want you to hear what God is saying. Simple message we know. God so loved the world. This is the message. God so loved the world. The world that has rejected him. The world that walked away from the world. world that says, we don't want you, God. We want to do our own way. That world, God says, God, he didn't want them to perish. But God made a way, gave his only son to make a way for them. That is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? Now, this is only half of the story. We need to hear that next half next time. But this is powerful in itself. Isn't that how all of you, all of us who came to Christ, came to Christ in this way? We didn't deserve him. We didn't earn anything. We didn't earn anything. He loved us. He called us. I'll tell you my story. And I, and I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was having a dinner with a couple of college students. I told them my 
you know, say, do you know my testimony? They said, no, no, not really. I told them story again. I, while I was telling my story, I began to tear up because it, it brought me back to 40, almost 41 years ago when I was 18, when I was eating pizza with my friends after a revival meeting. All are eating pizza. I still remember the place, Gino's Pizza, on the corner of Fifth Avenue and uh, Fifth Avenue North Creek Street. There's a little uh, Italian uh, old school uh, pizza place. Now, now it is a uh, Starbucks there. And there, I was eating pizza with my friends, two of my friends, after about maybe about 11:30 at night. I remember that it was 11:30 at night, April 19th. I remember it was the day. It was Saturday night, about 11:30. We were eating pizza. Those days, those days, pizza was huge. $5 large pizza was humongous. It's big. Not, not one of those called large, but this tiny little thing. Huge pizza with, you know, with Coke, bar, two little bottles of Coke was $4.99. This big, literally this big. Huge pizza. We were eating pizza with my friends. While we were eating pizza with my friends there that night. I don't know, in the middle of eating pizza, God began to tell me. I, I really, literally, I didn't hear a voice, but I knew God spoke in my heart. I love you. I love you, and that will not go away. I love you. I love you. And the first thing I thought in myself is, why would you love somebody like me? So I don't like, I don't even like myself. I don't deserve. Why would you love me? And that voice will not go away. I keep on saying, I love you and I love you. First time in my life, what Bible says that God so loved the world. I knew, I realized that word was true for me. That God loved me. God knew my name. God loves me. God even knows me and loves me. The simple, just three, three letter words, right? Three letter sentence. I love you. Literally changed my life that night. Isn't that what the gospel has been to all of you, all of us? We didn't deserve it, but God speaks to us. I love you. I forgive you. I accept you. I, I, I help you. I, I, I set you free. I give you life. He comes and speaks to us. I didn't deserve it. None of us did. That's the message, isn't it? This is the great love of our God. After 41 years for me, that love God spoke still resonates in my heart. I live still out of that word God says, I love you. That set, set me free, unshackled me, gave me hope and gave me life. And that opened the door where he began to continually speak to me, speak to me of his love, that, and it speaks to me of value that I have begin to work in my life, that is a calling, that is a message of the gospel. If anyone, anyone comes to Father's house, you're welcome, you're accepted. He will forgive your sins, He will heal you. He'll restore you. The, this, this parable, the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son is, come to Father's house. Come back to Father. Come back to Father. Let's all stand. Let's all stand.
every single person, every single one on this earth, to him and, him, to him and her, every single person God speaks. That he so loved the world. He gave his only son. The message is come to the Father. Do not run away from Father. Come to the Father who loves you. Doesn't matter where you have been. Doesn't matter what you have done. Doesn't matter where, what you think you deserve. Father says, come to me. My son, my daughter. There's a message for you. To everyone around. Our neighbors, our co-workers. Father, we come right now. We thank you for that invitation. Thank you for the word. Thank you for that your heart that reveals to us, God. That God, you so love the world. That's me. That you gave your only son. And you did a desire that I perish. You desire to give me life and life abundance. You desire to forgive me of my sins. You desire to give me life and life with you, God. We thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the grace. Father, you, your reckless love, your amazing love to which we come, we love you, God. We honor you, God.